Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I have a new little intro sound for you. <laughs> I see. <laughs> And welcome to episode 193 of Geek Town Radio. This week I have with me... Bex! Yes, right, I <laughs> see. Yeah. Tell the people what disaster has befallen you this week. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I definitely haven't cut the internet to the studio with some secateurs went gardening and now can't do any live streaming. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I did also like knee a bit of furniture with my other knee. Um, well, yeah, but that, that's just you being you, though. Really, yeah, I mean, I, I could, didn't, I I didn't could... break that knee, so I've still only got the one super yeah. damaged leg. I've just got like a, a nice colour on the other knee now. It matches my hair. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I could I could chop the soaring bit off the top of that and just use that as your intro every week. Really, you know, just something falling over. <laughs> I want to deny it, but I can't because it's true. So you know. <laughs> so so apart from demolishing the internet in your studio what else have you been doing this week well that obviously was the highlight of my week yes um, of course yeah uh, that was that was great fun um i have been watching the umbrella academy which i'm sure you have been Good. watching as well yes um, i'm trying to pace myself and not just spend a day watching the whole thing in one go yeah i'm i'm two episodes in at the, at the moment my favorite description of it has been in a couple of headlines which which is it's a superhero show via Wes Anderson, which I rather like. <laughs> it's just like I mean I've I've been excited since they announced it, obviously because yeah. the comic book is um is is it's not that well known mainstream, but within kind of the comic book world, it's pretty well respected. And yeah, it's a great. It's book. such a nice, fresh, very realistic take on the the kind of uh, superhero genre, and it's a good kind of way of playing with the conventions of that. And I think it's quite. It's pretty accessible, I think, even for people that aren't really into yeah. superheroes and comic books and stuff. The way they filmed it is is pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I've been really enjoying it. This is the show. I mean, we've talked about Umbrella Academy a lot, but it's basically uh, these bunch of women have children all on one day, uh, having never been pregnant at the start of the day, and suddenly they all have children. A rich, slightly mad billionaire basically picks up seven of them and forms this superhero team out of the kids is essentially it. and this is them the, the father's now died or the, the bad billionaire who they refer to as their father has now died and they're all coming back together for the funeral and it's sort of the relationships between all the kids that are, are left because some of them haven't survived to adulthood and and uh, yeah it's it's just 
brilliant. I'm really, really enjoying the first couple of episodes of it. It's. Uh, I think the casting's amazing as well. Well, it's got um. Oh, what's his name? Uh, is his surname Sheenan? Yeah, Robert Sheenan. I utterly adore him. He's he's getting very much sort of typecast into roles he enjoys playing, so he's probably fine with that. But most people yeah. know him to start with from Misfits, which for the first few seasons I adored, and he did steal the scene. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Quite a lot in that. I also just just generally just like think he's a he's quite a funny person he comes across as someone who really kind of channels that kind of energy yeah. and this, he's the perfect choice for that role and he's clearly loving it <laughs> yeah no totally robert shannon's been absolutely fabulous i've loved him in both things he's uh in mm. um he popped up in mortal engines actually but he's also in fortitude as well is the other thing mm. that he pops up in but uh yeah he's great uh tom hopper who people will know from merlin and game of thrones as well but uh I, he, he's great as uh a space boy number one luther i mean they're, they're all pretty well cast because they're yeah. such a the point is is that they're this diverse clashing group of people yeah who don't merge well together who've had this really dysfunctional upbringing who don't know their place in the world and Mm. they've cast it very well so that you can feel that awkward tension but that family bond of joint experience like it's it's a difficult thing to get right and so far like I've I've watched three episodes so I'm only one ahead of you and then I forced myself to stop and go to bed last night (laughs) (laughs) it's really compelling viewing and I'm looking forward to seeing how it pans out yeah I'm I'm very much enjoying I have the same sort of thing I'm kind of get to end the episode and I've kind of started watching a little bit the first I'm like no I gotta go and, and go to bed and, and not sit until like 4am and, and just stream this stuff it's tempting it's so tempting and they're doing so well with the because the, I can't remember what the budget was but they are really really well using where to put the money for special effects yeah, versus yeah. where not to and it's really well balanced because nothing sort of stands out as cheap or jarring visually it's just working really well as grounding some quite fantastical things in a really mundane real world yeah I mean just the casting's great. Mary J. Blige, I didn't realise, was playing one of the two assassins, uh, which I hadn't realised. So she's in there as well. So Tom Hopper, Tom Hopper, bless him. His accent's kind of a little bit all over the place, but you know, I think it's forgivable. The character had been on the moon for four years and not talking to anybody, so maybe his accent changed slightly. But Maybe uh, he was watching a lot of TV British from other TV, places. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think you can kind of work that in with how kind of broken they all are. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen Page as well playing Vanya, who's the one kid out of the group who apparently has no supernatural abilities so she plays that dejected character really well she also massive shout out to Aidan Gallagher who plays the uh, number five the kid he's phenomenal playing a boy who is or, or rather a 57 year old man or what, however old he is that's inhabiting a 13 year old boy's body and he's brilliant at it I mean I, I thought that was just superb he is snarky and charismatic to yeah, the max he, just and he's, brilliant some of the things oh, I don't want to give away any spoilers and things about his character but um, some of the things he's doing and his commitment to playing some things that could come across as yeah. a bit kooky or silly and playing them straight and believable yeah. like rescuing yes. his companion that's something that's quite hard to do so props to him he's got wisdom kind of beyond his age to pull that off believably because yeah. you do you do believe it 
So that's yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to get more and more challenging roles after this. I really hope so because I mean I thought he was absolutely fabulous. So yeah, the great all round. Go and watch it. It's absolutely brilliant. Really one of the best superhero dramas they've come out with on Netflix in a in a while. It's a very solid start for them. So uh, yeah, developed by a guy called Steve Blackman apparently for TV. I don't know what else he's done. Oh, second season of Fargo he was involved with. Oh, and Altered Carbon as well. Oh, so. that makes sense. And he's done various other things but those are the two that stick out to me um what else have you been doing i saw battle angel alita okay <laughs> or now, alita battle angel as it has to be called because of cameron because he wants to keep yes. all his things beginning with a's and so forth Th- this is going to be interesting <laughs> we have got an interview with somebody from alita battle angel coming up so yes what did you think <laughs> on some levels i really liked it yes i can see why in some places that there are some amazing homages to bits in the anime and in the manga so there are some fight scenes where it's like they've taken pages from the comic book and used it for the storyboard so it was quite brilliant to see some of those things brought to life and realized in a in a very very entertaining way other than that i felt that they very much wanted a particular age rating on their movie and they've pulled their punches in some places because the story is it's quite brutal and i don't mean that just in a violent sense i'm not just complaining because there there isn't enough blood or something like that it is quite brutal they just swap the the cyborg blood to blue to make it easier to to get some of that in but fair enough there are some places where it feels they've smoothed off the edges a bit and they've shied back from some things and they've packed extra things in to avoid some of the darker aspects right and it's a difficult one to describe I definitely think they put too much in though by merging the primary spine of the plot line of the first the first arc which is the first two comic books uh, also was the, the main focus of the, the anime but then adding in some of the stuff that was additional in the anime like extra characters but then mashing in some stuff from the next couple of comic books as well because they really obviously wanted to have the uh, motorball right and uh, that stuff is all supposed to happen way later throwing herself into motorball is what she does because of the end of the first arc which I won't right, spoil okay. for anyone that's not seen it so it's yeah yeah and there's there's the, the bit with the the, the heart some of the bits with the the romance I felt were so cheesy. Yeah, I mean so. th- that that seems fair. I- but it was enjoyable, and you can see that they really loved the source material when they made this. Yeah. That comes through. I haven't seen the movie yet. I've only seen the trailers for it, and it looks yeah. the look of it is is fairly spectacular. Oh, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, yeah the, the visual effects are, are beautiful and the effort they've put into the world building and creating, uh, well, it's called Iron City now, but it's originally called The Scrapyard. It's stunning. It really, really is. The special effects and the mix they've done of, of the computer-based effects and physical effects and stuff is merged gorgeously. Right. I mean, it's what you expect. It's, it's Cameron. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. He's kind of, that was his vision for it, even if he didn't end up directing it. His his influence is very strong there. It's directed by Robert Rodriguez, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah he passed it over because he didn't have the time to put into it and Rodriguez is obviously another comic book fan he did Sin City and he's he's a well-known fan of these kind of yeah, yeah. these kind of things so he he also loves the comic book so it's helmed by multiple people that love the source material yeah I mean uh, as I say I've not seen it the interview that's coming up later we spoke with Kayla Edelblum who is one of the two production designers on it so she talks about sort of building the sets and they're actually working on an interactive experience for it as well which is going 
going out to various cities across the US. That will be coming up a bit later. I'll talk about that, that a bit later. So I, I'm glad it all looks good, <laughs> given that we're talking to her. <laughs> it does. I think there was no doubt that it was going to look beautiful. And for everyone complaining about the eyes, they do explain the eyes in the movie. Right. OK. Good, because good. that's been a big criticism. People saying there's no reason for her to have eyes like that. But it actually, there is plenty of reason and it works very well and they do explain it and it is important. That's all I'm going to say is that don't let the kind of uncanny valley-ness right, yeah. because it, it is intentional. Okay, cool. That's good. Anything <laughs> what else? What else have I done? I've, I've played quite a lot of D&D in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, good. So there, there's been quite a lot of... Um, being a, a tabaxi dragon sorcerer, which is basically a, a cat person. Yes, with well, of course. Dragon of course sorcerer it is. I'm basically, I'm a purple cat person that can breathe lightning um, because why would you be anything else? Yes, um, well, certainly why I, would you be anything else? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been playing out some other games with a different character who's kind of um, a noble half elven lady with a ginormous axe that if she can't negotiate with people, chops their heads off. Fair so enough, yes. That's... That's been quite fun. It's a good, enjoyable, enjoyable experience. I'm glad I've kind of got back into it and it's becoming such a big scene again. No, it is. It's really taken off D&D and uh, it is great fun as well. I haven't played for many, many years, but uh, I, I used to love playing D&D and uh, mm. I need to find a local group or something. <laughs> It's good. And I especially like groups that don't take themselves too seriously. Oh, yeah. And it's as, there's, it's as much the socialising and having a laugh and coming up with very silly things to do as it is kind of playing the game. We're not too fussed about sort of levelling up and stats and things. And it's more about having a laugh. Um, yeah. And it, it's good to see something like that kind of make, making a big comeback um, because it's a great way to, to meet people and, um, yeah, blow things up with lightning. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Anything else? I've been been watching and enjoying and learning a lot about Twitch in preparation for when I um, sticky tape my internet cable back together <laughs> and get back on there. I've been trying to figure out how to hook up my actual childhood retro consoles so I can possibly stream those. Ah, cool. Um, There'll be an interesting mix of really, really retro and VR because apparently I like extremes. Um, yes. Although some of my VR is retro because I've got things like Serious Sam in VR. So oh, cool. I, yeah. I, I, it, it, it all makes sense. Yeah, a lot of the fellow streamers I know are streaming at the moment for Game Blast 19. Okay. Which is a, uh, a week-long charity streaming event for special ah. effects. Um, special effects that a lot of us will know if you go to any of the, the games events or comic cons they build custom controllers um, yeah. for people especially children who have disabilities and need special controllers so they can enjoy the world of gaming so there's going to be a week of laughing at slash with a lot of my friends on <laughs> Twitch and telling them to set fire to things because that's become a thing yes yes that, that that should be good I'm assuming your Twitch channel is Trista Bites as well with a Y it is it currently just has a picture that says everything's broken but it will, it will as soon as I've sticky take that cable back together I will be Twitch streaming because it's great fun I have a Twitch channel I never really use it and I really should get back into it I've done a couple of bits on Subnautica and stuff but uh, I should get back into it at some point Trouble I'd is- love to get a, a 360 camera or something and just walk around the cons and just live stream yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Tr- trouble is, the only thing I'm really playing at the moment is Civilization VI because the new expansion came out, and I can't imagine that's particularly interesting for streaming. So <laughs> you never know. You never know. Some of these things are, are very therapeutic to watch, or yeah. you could just set fire to everything. Whichever. Yes. 
Yeah. One or the other. I had heard that become a thing. You bunch of pyro- <laughs> <laughs> retro I, gamers I, are apparently pyromaniacs as well. <laughs> I totally haven't made three or four streamers set fire to things, including destroying the end of someone's Red Dead Redemption game. Oh my god! I had Oops. him burn down all the post offices so he couldn't pay off his bounty. It was <laughs> fine. Like, but no one's obligated to listen to me. No. Um, and it was hysterical. There was much laughing going on that stream, and I'm assuming he can go back to a safe point before I, I would hope so yes before the entire chat started telling him to set fire to everything oh. we sort of crossed red dead redemption with other games at that point i think <laughs> yes. we sort of tried to turn it into halo slash um, gta <laughs> oh dear <laughs> well for me this week um as, along with the umbrella academy the expanse season three which came out last week i've, I've finished that how did i not know that was that no, I no, I'm now. I, I need to just get off this podcast and watch that now. Um, I, I will be binge watching that and the Umbrella Academy, and I will return back to the world afterwards. Um, right. Yes. Uh, the Expanse season three, which of course is now on Amazon, not Netflix, because of Amazon taking over the franchise. And season four is coming later in the year as well. They have said oh, they wow. have confirmed that is definitely coming later in the year. So uh, um, non-spoilery is season three good. Yes, non-spoilery season three is good. I think it pairs down the number of plot lines from season two, so it makes it a little bit easier to follow. Because season two had like five different interlocking plot lines that were sort of weaving in and out of each other all the time, which was great, but it took a lot of concentrations at points. Season three has less plot lines to follow and they do kind of intersect much better, I think. So it makes it a little bit easier to follow. Still uh, one of the best sci-fis out there and still really, really enjoyable. So uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly loving that series I can't wait for season 4 I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't watched it yet but go watch The Expanse it's absolutely brilliant another show which I've been watching recently which is on the sort of fantasy sci-fi edge is um, The Passage which I started watching a few weeks ago and keep on forgetting to mention it this is the Mark Paul Gosley fronted show which is about it's based on a book actually I think or a book series it's about a guy who is sort of ex-special ops he's working for this secret government project which is supposed to be to cure all diseases the idea and they inadvertently basically create vampires or a sort of vampire zombie-ish kind of hybrid thing they think that these these people that they have or these vampires that they have under lock and key they're sort of keeping them and examining them and trying to figure out you know what's causing the process to kind of turn them into this and they figure out that if they expose a young child to it it could possibly mean that they get all the benefits without being turned into the sort of zombie-ish state that they end up being in so that's basically what they do they send the spec ops team out to find a kid that nobody will miss Mark Paul Gosley's character comes across this little girl and uh, they take her from a like group home and he becomes very uneasy when he starts to figure out that something quite bad could happen to her and ends up sort of absconding with her and that's that's the sort of basic setup for it it's a really good series i've very much been enjoying it uh mark paul gosley of course most people will know from well he was franklin and bash was the thing he's done more recently but uh prior to that uh zach from saved by the bell which he's never going to escape uh poor lad but uh he's great in this and uh it's a full-on sort of action thing for him but uh really really enjoying that if you've not watched 
watch the passage go and check that out it's on fox and uh the walking dead robot chicken special as well arrived on e4 this week uh, <laughs> because why not <laughs> yeah I, just just hilarious it's a little bit old now so it runs up to about sort of just after sort of negan started appearing in the series so it sort of was done i think last year sometime or the year before it's just half an hour of silliness with the robot chicken guys poking fun at, at walking dead and doing a sort of run through the history and it starts off in a in a museum which is sort of after the zombie apocalypse and everything's kind of gone back to normal and they're a museum of of them wandering around the saviors from the walking dead and they've got all these made up stories about rick and the group and and what happened to them and this sort of stuff and then old carl turns up and says no no this isn't how it happened and starts telling them the story and of the sort of history except that's not exactly how it happened either so <laughs> it, it's just brilliant and if you've they've got all the guys from walking dead or a whole bunch of the guys from the walking dead to come in and do the voices for it as well so that's well worth going to watch there's a load of robot chicken stuff and a load of adult swim stuff which is now on a specific adult swim channel on all four which you can go on and get so if you want to if you're a fan of like those sort of anarchic animated series from adult swim they're all up on all four now or quite a lot of them are so the first batch of them went live on the 15th so you can go and check those out as well there's a whole lot they're on streaming and they are putting some of them on e4 as well i might check that out even though i don't like walking dead just yeah. because i think it will still be funny yeah well if you if, if you don't want to watch the walking dead one there's the walking dead one there are the dc special ones which are equally hilarious there are the star wars ones which are brilliant and mm. uh, there's the main Robot Chicken series as well, which I think, I'm not sure whether season nine is on there, but they're definitely airing season nine on E4 as well. But I think it may already be up on the uh, the All 4 channel. Certainly the previous seasons of Robot Chicken is up there. If you've never seen mm. Robot Chicken, stop motion animation, and it's very, very, very funny. So that's all the stuff we've been doing for this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> start off the tv and film news this week with renewals cancellations and pickups first cancellation i'm i was a bit sorry about because uh counterpart has been cancelled after two seasons and i know this isn't a show which a lot of people in the uk probably haven't seen because it's on stars play uh which is an add-on channel for amazon so it's not like there's a huge amount of people that have probably signed up to this but uh it's got a great cast and it's such a shame that they've decided not to pick it up for a third season but um i i think they're shopping it round. but we'll have to wait and see that never usually ends well but we'll we'll wait and see whether anybody picks it up also into the badlands has been cancelled by amc after three seasons uh we're just waiting for the second half of season three to come back which is the 25th of april that's apparently returning but that will be the end of it so it's not really a show i think i watched an episode or two of it but it's not really a show i massively got into but i know there was a lot of people very upset about that amazon have renewed jack ryan for a third season even though the second season isn't out yet so uh, definitely going to get more Jack Ryan, which is no bad thing because I think they did a great job in the first season of that. The Goldbergs spin-off Schooled has apparently been picked up by E4, as far as we can tell. They've not really publicised that, but there are, uh, other than putting trailers on TV and it's randomly popped up, they've not given any press information, but it appears to be on there. And then a few advanced air dates for you. Uh, Santa Clarita Diet Season 3, that is returning on the 29th of March. Hannah, which is this coming-of-age assassin 
assassin thriller with a little kid that is arriving on the 29th of March on Amazon as well uh, and Good Omens is going to be premiering on the 31st of May and uh, Bendit Cumberbatch has been the last person really to add it, be added to the cast and he's going to be playing Satan or voicing Satan rather because it's going to be an animated character apparently. <laughs> I know a lot of people that are looking forward to that series coming out. The, the casting on Good Omens is just phenomenal. It's basically a who's who of kind of British and American top talent. It's just <laughs> incredible. Um, so, uh, yes, I think um, Frances McDormand is playing God as well. She's voicing God and Bendit Cumberbatch is voicing Satan. So, uh, so yes, that's, that's definitely one to look out for. 31st of May for that on Amazon. It will then come onto the BBC at some point later on, but we don't know exactly when. It will be exclusive on Amazon for a bit and then go onto the BBC because they co-funded it. Breaking Bad, there is a movie coming from that starring Aaron Paul. And uh, it seems like it's going to be premiering on Netflix and then going on to AMC, despite AMC being the people that originally aired Breaking Bad in the US. It seems because Netflix were the people that sort of kept it alive, they've kind of won the bid to get the movie first and then AMC will have it second. And uh, I added this one in today because I thought you may have seen this news already, but the Loki series, which is going to have some involvement from the love of your life, Tom Hiddleston. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I sometimes let him out to work. Um, so uh this they've they've renounced a little bit more news about it it's going to follow loki as the trickster and shapeshifter pops up throughout human history as an unlikely influencer in historical events that's the idea of it so uh there were stories about it may be going to be sort of not that much involvement of hiddleston and being more of a young loki series i think the young loki angle is probably going to be in there but it seems like hiddleston's going to be in there as well so it's going to be kind of a mixture of the two by the sounds of it but he is definitely going to be in it They've also announced that the showrunner for it and writer of it, or writer of the pilot episode, is going to be a guy called Michael Waldron. Previous credits, interesting previous credits. Rick and Morty, he was a production assistant. Community, he was a writer's production assistant. He then did a show called Harmon Quest, which is a sort of animated series seemingly about Dan Harmon, who is one of the creators of Rick and Morty playing D&D with his friends. And uh, Good Game, which he was producer on, which was a series about esports. So it it's a very interesting collective mix of, of, of stuff to then suddenly become showrunner on something as big as Loki. That's that's the guy that's running it. But, uh, but I mean, I think something like Rick and Morty is an interesting touch point for something which is a guy jumping through history into different events and stuff. Yeah, and that kind of dark, dry comedy yeah. as well. I think I, I don't know when, obviously I'm aware of Rick and Morty and things, but I don't know the rest of Oh, I've, oh no, I've watched some of Community. I haven't yeah. watched enough of Community. I've had that told to me a lot. So I can see where they're going with that. My main obvious interest is the percentage of screen time <laughs> for Tom Hiddleston. But I think it's I think it's brilliant that they're they're looking at making series of things like this and starting with Loki. I mean they they know they have to get it right or there'll be massive uproar. So I yeah. would assume it's going to be good. The difference with this as well is it, it seems to be attached directly to the movie universe, unlike the Marvel TV universe, which is sort of tangentially attached but he's sort of run by a different division in marvel whereas this seemingly is being run by the movie division of it so yeah it's going to be interesting to see how this this plays out 
But mm. uh, and they've picked a, a, a main kind of spine for the storyline, which doesn't have any effect on anything happening in the movie. So it gives yeah, them a yeah. lot of freedom as well, which I think is a brilliant move. Yeah. So uh, they can announce this without it spoiling what happens to Loki in Endgame, because Loki is Loki's supposed, fine. Loki's supposed to <laughs> Loki's be fucking. Yes, did you keep wishing that? Uh, <laughs> he, he is supposed to be popping up in Endgame, but in what capacity we don't know. Whether whether it's it's flashback or dream sequence or or some other way, we don't know. So we'll we'll see. I I would like to think Loki's fine as well because I love Loki. He's a great character. Yeah, I think he evolved the most out of all of the characters because yeah. they didn't originally intend for him to be a large part of the. I think it was the, the second Thor movie. They didn't intend for him to be a large part at all, and because of the fan response they rewrote yeah. a lot of the, the plots for, for movies going on and they put a lot more of, of Loki into those movies so I think they know how beloved their character is and hopefully they will treat him accordingly yes and yeah. just just make many more things just they need to make a Loki movie people would watch it Oh, totally. Yes. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, that, of course, is coming to Disney+. Plus. We don't know how that stuff will be handled outside of the US yet. I believe they are going to launch Disney+, Plus internationally, but it's sort of all a bit up in the air. It's not launching in America till the end of next year, or the end of this year, sorry. And then it will launch worldwide, they've said, sometime after that. But we don't know exactly what they're going to do with it and how soon and all that sort of thing so um yeah we'll see where that goes uh sticking with marvel they've also announced that uh they've got four new adult animated series which are coming to hulu in the us whilst the defenders might be gone the offenders are now coming in animated form (laughs) there's actually five new series there's sort of four series and much like the defenders there's basically four series and then a sort of T-Bup series coming. Uh, so it's going to be Marvel's Modoc, Marvel's Hitmonkey, Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler show, and Marvel's Howard the Duck as an animated series. And then there's going to be Marvel's The Offenders, which is the team-up show as well. So do you know any of these characters? I mean, obviously Howard the Duck, but... Yeah, everyone knows Howard the Duck. Yeah. Um, some of the other ones I know, but not incredibly well. But I'm just happy that we're getting some of these properties made. And I think animated is the best format for them because it's the only way you're going to get away with a lot of the content yeah. um, and uh, it would require stupid budgets anyway to to make them any other way so I'm quite pleased by this and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how ridiculous some of these are going to be I think entertaining is what they're going to go for with this one <laughs> yes yeah uh, they've got some interesting people involved with it as well the Howard the Duck series is actually going to come from filmmaker podcaster and comic book writer Kevin Smith uh, who uh, <laughs> whose work I <laughs> who love probably like fought other people off to get that job <laughs> yeah so it's him and uh, Aquatine Hunger forces dave willis are the two people involved in that so that i think has a really really solid team behind it i mean howard the duck has been a film once made by ron howard and he did pop up in the end credits of was it guardians 2 i think it was the or guardians 1 the end credit of that so i'm very much looking forward to that it should be brilliant modok is an egomaniacal supervillain with a really big head and a really little body who struggles to maintain control of his egonaut organization and demanding family uh the 
series comes from Jordan Bloom, who is one of the American dad writers, and Pat Oswalt, who is a brilliant comedian, if you've never heard of him. Uh, and uh, he's also an actor and a writer. So they're the people involved with that. That one sounds good. I think he's voicing Modoc as well. Marvel's Hit Monkey tells the tale of a wrong Japanese snow monkey mentored by the ghost of an American assassin. As he cuts a wide sway through Tokyo's underworld in this darkly cinematic and brutally funny revenge saga. That's coming from uh, Josh Gordon, Will Speck. Tiger and Dazzler sees two woke superheroes and best friends, Tiger and Dazzler, fight for recognition amongst the powered people that make up the eight million stories in Los Angeles. Uh, so uh, that's uh, Erica Rivinoja and Chelsea Handler, the two people behind that. And then Marvel's The Offenders is the um, team-up series which will bring them all together. They haven't announced the writers for that, but Jeff Loeb, as with all the series, is serving as exec producer. Uh, if you're wondering why they're on Hulu and not Disney Plus. The reason that they're on Hulu is because Disney owns a large stake in Hulu now, uh, particularly with the Fox acquisition, and Disney Plus is being kept as a sort of PG 13, 12 rated platform. So that's which the th- these will not be. <laughs> yes, which these most definitely won't be. Uh, that's the same reason why the defend why all the Defenders characters, the Marvel Netflix show characters, aren't going to end up on Disney Plus when Netflix got rid of them. They've said they've double confirmed today that. Uh, Marvel had no say in the cancellation, so it was most definitely Netflix that dropped them. Hulu have actually said that they would be interested, you know, they're open to the possibility of taking on some of those shows. Whether it will actually happen, I don't know. Of course, we don't have Hulu in the UK, so who knows where they might end up. You might end up going across onto uh, Amazon. It Maybe they get picked up by normal channels. We don't know. Hopefully mm. they'll pop well, up Well, Amazon picked up The Tick, which is another yeah. very spoofy, grown-up, ridiculous superhero thing. Um, and they that was an Amazon original, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was. As well. So if they have a say, they might want at least, you know, something like Howard the Duck that is the most well-known of, of that set. I think that it would be cool if we could get them over here because it would be a shame to miss out on them. Yeah, I mean, E4 um, and Channel 4 have picked up a number of Hulu shows and uh, Amazon have picked up a number of Hulu shows. So I think those are the two most likely spots you're going to get them I would have thought uh, sci-fi maybe as well is, is a possibility they've picked up some Hulu series like Runaways if they're genre series so um, Sci-Fi UK could possibly take them as well but we'll have to wait and see whether they pop up somewhere over here yeah, um, makes me miss the old days of MTV when MTV used to air all the insane cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Because that would have been where that ended up otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing that makes me think Channel 4 might not pick them up is because they've just done this big deal with Adult Swim, which gives them a whole bunch of ad- animated content. So mm. that might put them off. But I, I think it would be quite an attractive pop- proposition to somebody like like Amazon. So, we'll, But we'll, we'll have to see. Sticking with comic book stuff and Netflix, one of the reasons that they sort of walked away from the Marvel thing, apart from the fact that they Disney are going to be a rival service to them. The other thing was that they bought Mark Miller's Miller World and were starting to adapt some of Mark Miller's stuff into their own shows. And one of those was a comic book called Jupiter's Legacy, which is a multi-generational American superhero epic, which follows the world's first generation of superheroes 
who received their powers in the 1930s and in the present day they're the revered elder guard but the superpowered children struggle to live up to the legendary feats of their parents so it's it's quite an interesting sort of setup i think for that they've announced some casting for it the show comes from stephen s knight who you will know from shows like uh, daredevil he was involved with spartacus and he was one of the buffy writers as well so he comes out of that joss whedon stable uh the casting's actually really good for this justin elm who you will know probably from the transformers movies more than anything else he's playing uh the utopian sheldon Sam- samson who is sort of the leader of the group. Ben Daniels, who you know from The Crown, I think he was in Rogue One as well, and uh, The Exorcist. He plays Walter Sampson Brainwave, Sheldon's elder brother. Leslie Bibb, who was in Tag and Iron Man. She takes Grace Sampson, Lady Liberty. Anna Campouris, who was in Sacred Lies. And Andrew Horton, who was in Doctors and How to Talk to Girls at Parties, play Sheldon and Grace, the children of Chloe and Brandon. Mike Wade, who was in Timeless and For the People plays Fitz Small and Matt Lanter who was in Timeless played one of the main characters in Timeless he will star as George Hutchinson who is also known as Sky Fox apparently as well and is one of the close friends of the of the main family so I think the casting's really strong with this do you know the comic book particularly? This one I haven't actually read this one I should have it's yeah. exactly in my wheelhouse it's something that I very much should have read but Miller is an epic and exceedingly well renowned writer mm. and if the adaptations of, of other things that are going on that are all kind of there's a massive trend at the moment for your realistic dark superhero-y yeah. type stuff going on so I've got high hopes for it I probably need to go out and buy this and read it I think so I'm sure I bought a copy of it maybe I haven't read it yet I don't know but I because I don't remember but um yeah so it's based on his comic book Netflix now own Miller World which they bought in 2017 they're actually making a bunch of of the different things either as series or movies they've got American Jesus which is another one of Miller's things uh Empress Hook and uh, Sharky the Bounty Hunter as well as the other one they're making. So they're all going to be made into either series or, or movies. They haven't specified one way or the other. So yeah, I'm I'm rather looking forward to this. I, th- I think this could be really good. I mean, because you've got this coming here, you've got The Boys coming on Amazon, which I'm very much looking forward to because that's a great book as well. Yeah, I love that comic. Yeah, so uh, the, the, this is this is sort of more dealing with the family stuff, whereas you know The Boys is kind of, is, is subverting entirely the sort of super superhero genre where the the boys is is based around a group which are there to keep the superheroes in check because the superheroes basically are all dicks so (laughs) in the boys they've all let the power get to their heads and they're all like rock star sort of superheroes and they really don't care about collateral damage and and this sort of thing so the boys are brought in to basically keep them in check that is coming later in the year and i'm very very much looking forward to that one coming to amazon so this is another great one though i'm i think casting's really interesting and uh yeah justin elm's great Ben Daniels is great so yes it's an interesting selection of people and Matt Lanter is fabulous in Timeless it just means we're definitely not getting any more Timeless and uh, the last story we got this week USA Network has ordered Aldous Huxley's Brave New Worlds straight to series Um, you may remember years ago we talked about this on the podcast because this has been floating around since about 2016 Uh, it was originally pitched I think at Sci-Fi and uh, USA Network have now picked it up who were kind of they're part of all part of NBC so it's it's sort of one of their sister stations and given it a straight to series order. Uh, for those that don't know Brave New World, it's a classic novel set in this seemingly utopian futuristic society. Whilst there's peace and stability, the people are 
drug to stay happy. So they have a number of their freedoms removed, such as prohibition to monogamy, privacy, money, family, and history itself. Children are created and conditioned to play specific roles in society where they're split into castes. So if you're born as a factory worker, you're conditioned to like living in cities and have not have any interest in books and just be kept in your place. Uh, so the story centres around two citizens of New London, Bernard Marks and uh, Lenita Crown. They've only ever known the rigid social order, a perfect pharmaceutical called Solma, and the culture of instant gratification and ubiquitous sex. Curious to explore life beyond their strict society, the two new worlders embark on a vacation to the savage lands where they become embroiled in a harrowing and violent rebellion. Bernard and Lenita are rescued by John the Savage, who escapes with them back to London. John's arrival in the new world soon threatens to disrupt utopian harmony, leaving them to grapple with the repercussions the three become entwined in a fraught relationship that awakens them to the dangers of their own conditioning. I love the sound of this. I mean, it's it's a great place to start. I mean, Brave New World is kind of a seminal novel anyway. So I, I think that's a, a great starting point. Uh, they've been like various adaptations of this before as TV movies. I don't think they've ever done a series of it, but it's got that sort of Handmaid's Tale vibe to it where it's sort mm. of this slightly alt future and I, so I can see why USO Network would be very tempted to pick something like this up yeah well it's it's such an incredible world and what Huxley did I mean it was like 31 it came out mm. it's such an influential work and it's going to be interesting to see how they create something now without it appearing derivative because so many things have taken so many yeah. cues from his work that new audiences might look at it and think, think it's something oh I've seen this before not realising it's actually the originator of so many ideas that, yeah yeah uh, like as a dystopian future novel it's um yeah like you said it's seminal it's so massively influential mm. and i can't wait to see how this turns out because it's an incredible book and having a serialized version of it i think is going to be probably the best way to tell the story and yeah i think you're right i don't think they have had a series made of it before i think it's just been films and i think that putting something like this in a film forces you to follow a certain trajectory yeah. in the way the story has to go and this will probably allow it to be a lot more true to the book i'm interested to see if they're gonna update it in some ways because the handmaid's tale was obviously it was in yeah. some ways very true to the book but it was also quite updated so that it continued to be set sort of contemporary yeah or alternate world contemporary so it'll be interesting to see how they're gonna update it or if they're gonna leave it sort of feeling slightly jarring as a vision of what was considered the future in the 30s <laughs> I, I suspect they'll update it i would have thought but we'll have to wait and see i mean the the adaptation's got some interesting people behind it uh david weiner who was a writer on uh, Homecoming, The Killing, Flesh and Bone, and the you you'll like this is the the comic book duo of Grant Morrison and Brian Taylor, the people that were behind the TV version of Happy, and I mean Grant wrote the comic book as well, and Grant Morrison's a comic book legend. So um, yeah, I mean that's an interesting selection of people to be writing it. I think that's an amazing selection of people to be writing it. I want this to exist right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I certainly the weirder stuff. I mean, Morrison's known for kind of. He's stranger kind of writing. So that that's going to be interesting to see how he handles something like this. But very much looking forward to that. They're exec producing along with a couple of the guys that were behind the Americans and are, well, they're the co- co-presidents of Ambling Television, who are the people that are making it. William is also going to serve as showrunner and uh, Owen Harris, who was responsible for Black Mirror San Gipino, he's going to be directing the first episode as well. And that was a great Black Mirror episode as well. I, I think this this sounds like it could be a really, really interesting series. 
So that's all the news we have for this week. Next up, we have the interview. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. As I mentioned earlier, the interview this week is with Kayla Edelbloom, who is one of the co-production designers on Alita Battle Angel. And uh, as Bex was saying earlier, Alita Battle Angel follows a girl called Alita, played by Rosa Salazar, who awakens with no memory of who she is in a future world that she does not recognise. And she's taken in by Ido, who is played by Christoph Waltz, a compassionate doctor who realises that somewhere in the abandoned cyborg shell is the heart of a young woman with an extraordinary past. She learns to navigate her new life in the treacherous streets of Iron City, Ido tries to shield her from her mysterious history while her street smart new friend Hugo played by Keenan Johnson offers instead to help trigger her memories that's the sort of basic setup for it Kayla had the job of creating all the sets and surprisingly although it is very CGI heavy, there a lot of the stuff was physically built and large, large sections of it were physically built. She's co-production designer with Steve Joyner who she's worked on in, on a number of projects before She's worked with Robert Rodriguez on numerous things. Uh, she's done Dust Till Dawn. She did the Sin City movies. She did Predators. She's worked with Quentin Tarantino quite a lot on uh, things like the Kill Bill movies and Jackie Brown. Uh, she did the movie Spy Kids as well. So we talked to her about creating sets for something like this, for a big CGI project like this, and how she went about that. We also talk about the uh, interactive experience versions, which she was in the midst of doing doing when we actually called her so uh, we talk a bit about these interactive experience things that they are also making which are going to be going to cities around america hopefully they may travel as well but at the moment they're only going to cities in america here's the interview with kayla edelbloom we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on tv hey so kayla david how are you i'm very well how are you Good, good, sir. Good. So you're are you you're out traveling again now? I just landed in Austin again yesterday. I'm over here at Troublemaker Studios at this very moment, trying to wrap up a bunch of paperwork. The most exciting thing in the world. <laughs> so you're filming. You're you're working on something out there at the moment. Both Steve and I, we work as a team together. Steve Joiner. Yeah. And we. We just spent the past five months, of course, working on the Alita immersive experience. Ah. So, so we built these immersive experiences in New York, Los Angeles, and Austin, Texas. And they just each opened up the last week of January. So everything's really been building to, I know Alita has released over there, but it's going to release here in a few days. So that was quite an endeavor. We had numerous set pieces that we wanted to create and everything that we created, you know, we had to build times three <laughs> to to you know be able to send ship transport and you know send all these elements to Brooklyn, to Los Angeles. And of course, we had a huge stage space here in Austin that we were able to build. Wow. In. And these 
all these are all seven to ten thousand square foot environment. So wow. it's quite an extensive environment. We tried to rebuild Iron City and all of them. And you can go in and you there's all these games that you can play. It makes you work as a team. You meet total strangers and you team up and you try to solve all these puzzles and games. And I, people seem to have fun. And so that's pretty inspiring for us, of course. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you know if that's likely to travel abroad or or is it just going to be in those three locations? Based on the way I feel right now, I hope it's just those three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it will probably be those three. I think they plan... The company is called I Am 8-Bit. That's right. the producing entity that was able to wrangle all these teams together to make this happen. You know, the game designer, Eric Meyer, right. um, Art, who did all the like integration to, to get all the systems up and running. But I think the plan is for the games to run about three months. And, you know, here in Austin, that will carry the game through South by Southwest, which I'm sure you know. <laughs> right, is yeah, yeah. And dig here in March, so where everybody runs the muck. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Be interesting to see if if it does move anywhere else. Maybe after you've done those three, so you're not having to recreate things again. You, 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 you never around. know. Never know. You know, I had the chance to watch several playtesting sessions. Yeah. When you actually see your work become integrated in a real active, dynamic activity, I have to tell you, I was really excited about taking on that challenge because it's different than working in a movie. The mm. per, You know, the parameters are different. You have to be nimble in a different way. You really have to think about your architecture and be just uh, logistically on it yeah. with every detail. And to have all the parts actually work is, you know, nobody's more amazed than me. <laughs> it must be interesting working on something like like that whereas you know I, i'm guessing you might be building things for the interactive experience that are, are cgi elements in the movie possibly as well the interesting thing is when you have the opportunity to work with different teams that you haven't necessarily worked with before for us that had to do with thinking about actual game design mm. um, what are those pieces what are those beats how do you create set vignettes which is basically what we originally were t- Ask to do. We built, you know, I'm sure you've you've seen the Kansas bar. Mm. We built the original Kansas bar for the movie yeah. Alita, and it's still standing here at Troublemaker Studios. And <laughs> you know, a couple of hundred yards from it right now as we speak. Wow. But we had to replicate that in a scale for each location, but have all the parts be maneuverable and, you know, break down into segments so so that we could ship and just yeah, fit yeah. pieces through a doorway and all those <laughs> kinds of things. So, so yeah. yeah, it was quite an endeavor because you think about people and if you have two or 300 people a night going through a game, you need to address yeah. that a little differently than when you're working, even on a movie. We we work very, very hard, especially in our fabrication and set dressing shop to make sure everything is completely robust, completely bombproof. But the immersive experience took that to a completely different level. We, we had to think about every element just being handled by people hour after hour, day after day, week after week. So yeah, yeah. 
that that is a lot of what design is is it can't just look cool it has to work on the day yeah totally i to fascinated to, to get thrown into after you've been working on the film for so long as well i guess so it it, it was definitely interesting you know we we started on alita battle angel in october of 2015 right. um that was i think my first email was october 23rd of that year right. and then to have this as a bookend basically five to six months before the movie came out to be presented with this like opportunity it really charged us up and i looked at my instagram and i i was amazed at how you know instagram blew up with the with the alita experience people seemed to enjoy it we built all kinds of interactive props that the as a guest, as a game player that you can put on and take your selfie as though you're a cyborg. <laughs> so so just all those little touches we wanted to really bring to life. Yeah. For the film itself, you've worked with Robert Rodriguez, who is the director. You've worked right. with him at on a on a few projects before but i mean this this is something else entirely because i mean it's it's got the sort of it's this huge james cameron thing as well right. and right how how completely kind of freaked out were you when when you get that first email of of uh we want to do this and it's going to be kind of you know a lot of cgi work and, and right uh, all this um, sort of stuff. you receive that first ping of an email try to keep your stomach where it lives and not have come up in your throat. Um, but I, I have to say, I remember Steve and I worked on Kill Bill. And I remember one of the very first days that we started in pre-production on Kill Bill, we were showing Quentin a prop for David Carradine. And Quentin said something to the effect of, if I had to think about every decision right now, I would quit today. <laughs> and that really, that taught me really to have a steady attitude, tackle one challenge at a time. Because mm -hmm. the only time you get overwhelmed is when you feel like you have a cascading system of elements, you know, coming at you, which we all do, especially yeah. after production meeting, for instance. But Alita Battle Angel was quite an extraordinary team effort. It definitely brought Lightstorm Entertainment together and Robert's Troublemaker Studios, and it required every single person to make Alita succeed. Our actual building time that we had from day one of beginning construction on Iron City, for instance, that was only four months from the first from the first bolt that went in the ground to shooting day. So to be able to succeed in that takes an extraordinary amount of prep, and that's that's where the value really is. And if you can get that, your chances of success are so much greater. What sort of division is there between the amount of physical set compared to sort of green screen and stuff that I mean, obviously right. there's extensions and stuff that are going to be done with CGI, right. but how right. how much is there they're actually there for them to work with? That's a great question. You know, Steve and I have worked with Robert on many green screen heavy yeah. uh, movies, both, both Sin Cities and a number of others. Alita Battle Angel was absolutely practical and the mandate was shoot as much practically as we could. Wow. Now, I remember very early on, there was talk of like going to Panama City for a week to shoot exteriors and just, you know, all, all manner of random thoughts across the table. Steve and I were pretty, pretty set and pretty clear. We felt that we could build Iron City at Troublemaker Studios. We have an expansive space right here where we've built big sets before. Mm. 
um, it's a great resource. That way we could control the look, absolutely. We wouldn't have to go back and rebuild environments or go to different locations if there was an actor availability question or, you know, all those things that come up. Again, you're not thinking only about design, but about the integration of location, logistics, shooting schedule. How do you block your sequences together on a shooting day? Working with your first AD is so critical. And we have a great first AD, Brian Betwave, we worked with for many, many years also. He's been with Robert. But what was really wonderful was, you know, finally saw the movie in its entirety the other night was we created Iron City and that was a 62,000 square foot set. Wow. So that's the footprint. It was massive. And we created all the streets so they could play double duty, so they could redress. The set dressers could come in and do an overnight redress. Dennis Street could play as a different, completely different section of the city. But I noticed in watching the movie that Weta was able to take a lot of the elements that we actually built and sort of replicate them in layers in the background matte painting sections, Right. kind of tweak them, you know, maybe adjust the color, adjust the scale. But those elements, they were able to take and repeat, and it created a cohesiveness from the foreground to middle ground to background layers of Iron City. And we were very specific. We built Iron City to a height of 24 feet so we could cover all the actors, all the action, and not have to have visual effects, you know, do cutouts around actors for all those close shots. Mm-hmm. And then Weta and visual effects could go in and do their beautiful background paintings that referenced Kulun, which was a city that Jim Cameron had keyed on many, many years ago as a partial look for Iron City. Right. What for you was the single sort of most challenging bit of of dealing with this film in terms of kind of coming up with with a particular production design element? (laughs) I think one of the first things And probably the most challenging part really is the first step you take, which is breaking down a script. Mm. A script is a series of words. To take that and realize it into a three-dimensional aspect is really a study in abstract thinking. And I think very early on, I remember being at my desk, I have a big work table. It's four feet by eight feet. And I have a big roll of butcher paper. And I would take big swaths of butcher paper the size of my table and start mapping out Iron City. That was done by just going through the script line by line at a time. <laughs> and that way, it's it's a way to start blocking out similar moments and start separating out the neighborhoods of Iron City and how you want each neighborhood to differentiate itself architecturally and really give the characters a path through their journey in Iron City. That was quite a mission. And I have, you know, my sheets of maps with diagrams and notations and (laughs) arrows and things that went all over the place. But after you do that a number of times, the story starts to distill down and you're able to start visualizing block by block. That's what we did because Iron City was comprised of several different neighborhoods with several different looks and several purposes. So I think we we were able to segue and meld those block by block neighborhoods together, just like real cities exist. That was really the thing for us. To me, Iron City became not just a set, but a real living, breathing, organic place. 
Mm. And that came about because as the crew worked, they put the sweat and the labor in, just like a real city. They laughed. They had the vitality. And all those things really started to make Iron City breathe. And for that, I'm very proud of our crew, both L.A. and Austin, because the endeavor was extraordinary. Yeah, that's incredible, particularly the size of the set is <laughs> just stunning. You talk about the city and it's it's got special areas like there's a warrior arena and a mechanical dump yard and stuff like that. Do, do you have a particular favourite area of yours? Oh my gosh, I think there are a number of favourites in both Iron City as well as the interior sets that we built. We also had a an entire separate stage facility on which I think we built something like 11 or 13 interior sets. Right. Um, And those sets included Dr. Ito's interior clinic, and that was an absolute favorite. Vector's penthouse, another favorite, very severe, total homage to Sir Ken Adam. (laughs) Um, Those were a couple of the the interiors that, that I also really enjoyed realizing along with, you know, of course, all of Iron City. Yeah. It's, it's all favorite. It's all favorite there. <laughs> you, you're talking about working with Steve, obviously, on this and many other films. How are you sort of dividing up the work? Do you end up with one doing sort of particular that, areas? or That's an interesting question. People often wonder that because I think jobs are usually structured like in a, a divided kind of concept. Mm. Steve and I worked together for, I think, 30 years. So from the outset, I think the way we work is a very organic process. Nothing is ever necessarily delineated. We just know it. Everything segues together. Weird to say, it's just we're able to work in sync. Yeah. Uh, He has a background in electrical engineering and mechanical engineering. I have a background in art, photography, painting, study of color. We're able to just bring everything together. We're dialed in in a way that I guess it's in the ether. I can't really describe it. But the common thread for us was, you know, we came up through working on set. Yeah. So we created our own property department. We built our own prop truck back early in the days <laughs> and worked on movies of the week. We just like pounded through that kind of grinding practice that makes you absolutely efficient. You learn how to think on your feet, improvise quickly, you know, create something on set at the drop of a hat when it's called for. That kind of training was so valuable. And working on set really taught us the valuable things in production design, which was make sure that the set works for the actors, the director, the DP, and the crew. The set has to actually be able to function so that you can make your shooting day. And we always thought about working from the actors out because that's where the story is. Know that your props and your set pieces can look vibrant and function and not break and just be robust enough to to handle the day. Keep in mind always that core of where the action and the moment and the story is. And I think that's what makes us work together because we know instinctively what needs to happen. And because we do work together as a team, and I think it really showed in Alita, we're able to create more layers and more depth, more dimension, 
more depth of field in all the environments than one person alone could. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll come to the, the last two questions that okay. we ask everybody. Okay, go. So uh, the first question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? You know, because work has been just so pulverizing lately, I hadn't had a chance to catch up on my Westworld, ah. which I just did in the past two weeks. And of course, coming from like the wide open region of the Southwest, I was absolutely riveted by the locations that their locations department was able to find. I don't know how they did it. They must have sent out the drone scouts because I saw things I've never seen before in in those regions. But the diversity of sets and environments from the most architectural and severe to the West to the Asian environments, that crew was presented with challenges of extraordinary scale. I don't know how they did it. Um, But also just what I'm watching right now, True Detective. Yeah. Absolute tone, quiet. But again, that's that is such a performance driven piece. And what's it about your characters? Mm. And for us on Alita, everything we did was to support the characters. And when you see good television do that, that's where it is. Yeah, absolutely. And the last question is, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, what show would it be? Oh, my gosh. I just caught up on a little bit of this marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Again, extraordinary era Mm -hmm. study art department. It's an era that you love. And of course, Lenny Bruce, the character who plays Lenny Bruce, so riveting. But the attention to detail in that particular series, I found quite extraordinary. That crew should be really proud. Yeah, I... I adore that show. I think it's absolutely fabulous and the work is is phenomenal. So I don't know how they do it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, We've... I know I know how they do it. That's the terror. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's incredible. I shall let you uh, get back to your set building or disassembling. <laughs> <laughs> the, the excitement of paperwork. Yes, Thank and the you. excitement of paperwork, yes. It's been lovely to have you on. It'd be great to have you back on at, at some point in the future when uh, when you're working on something else. Thank you. Thank you, David, so much. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. So that was the interview with Kayla Edelbloom, production designer on Alita Battle Angel. You can find Alita Battle Angel in your nearest cinema right now, so go watch it. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> Highlights for next week on TV. We kick off with Bite Club, which is an Australian series about a group of shark attack survivors who are targeted by a serial killer. <laughs> Only in Australia would you need a group of like a survival group for shark attacks. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's Australia, you could have a survival group for any animal that will kill you in Australia, because most That's of them every will. Every animal. <laughs> <laughs> Everything wants to kill you in Australia. Uh Dominic Moynihan, he's uh, one of the series stars of that, but uh, that's on Alibi on the 20th of February and it's called Bite Club if you want to see the first series and that is on at 9pm Big Bang Theory returns for the final part of its final season that's on the 21st of February at 8pm on E4 Flack which is a show which I I think it's very difficult to um, have avoided because it's been publicity everywhere for this Uh, it's a dramedy set in the fast paced world of celebrity PR stars Anna Paquin it's an original show for the W channel in the UK even though it sounds like it should be an American import it is actually made in the UK 21st of February at 10 p.m. for that that's flack then curfew which is this bonkers street race drama that sky one have commissioned uh stars sean bean adrian lester phoebe fox uh, malachi kirby a whole bunch of other famous names as well 
set in this sort of dystopian future where there is this big street race and that they, they win this sort of huge prize if they uh, manage to win the race basically it looks fascinating i have no idea whether it's any good or not but 22nd of february at 9 p.m for that that's called curfew and season one of that uh the oscars are also arriving this week so the 91st academy awards that is going to be previewing from midnight on the 23rd the actual ceremony starts on the 24th at 1am if you want to go and watch that live we've got alan partridge returning with this time with alan partridge which sees steve coogan returns to his alter ego that's the 25th of february at 9 30 on uh, i think it's actually on bbc one i've got bbc two on here sees alan take over on a sort of one show type thing he's been let back onto tv for the first time in ever so uh yes that that if you're a fan of alan partridge worth watching van helsing returns on the 25th of february onto netflix for a third season of of that show that is back uh shadow hunters the second half of the third and final season although it's not going to be the final season if the fans have any say in it 26th of february for that that was a rabid fan base for that i'm amazed that got cancelled yeah and you see as well as at the the comic cons you see a lot of people cosplaying yeah. as those characters well, it definitely has yeah as you say like a, a lot of interest from the fans so i'm wondering how they're not getting the viewing figures it's crazy i, I honestly don't know because the i mean the, the people that love it really really love Shadowhunters and uh, I have to say I haven't watched it I know that's probably awful to admit to some people but uh, I don't understand I don't understand how it's not got the numbers and why somebody else hasn't swooped in on it it's uh, 26th of February on Netflix for the second half of its third and final at the moment of season of Shadowhunters and then we have The Miracle coming to Sky Atlantic which a drama set during an operation at a mob boss's hideout where police find a sculpture of the Virgin Mary which appears to be weeping blood it's from Sky Italia the people that made Gamora it's coming to Sky Atlantic that's the 26th of February at 9pm for that and that's everything for this week unless you've got anything else you'd like to add in I I think we've packed quite a lot into there (laughs) yeah I think so Uh, so um, if people want to find you where can they find you they can find me as Tristabytes spelled B-Y-T-E-S because I thought it would be fun to make a geeky pun out of my name and make spelling it difficult but I can be found on YouTube Facebook Twitter Instagram and very soon again on Twitch once I've (laughs) sticky taped aforementioned cables back together again and also sometimes I put articles and videos up on the Geek Town website as well Yes, for us, you can find us obviously at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and find all the latest air date info. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 